Everybody said, Amen. Amen. So now you can go back over to Matthew chapter 10. And so we are talking about our approach to God and how our approach to God matters if we are going to receive from God. Let me just go ahead and say this. The higher you honor God and His things, His church, His people, His word, the more you will receive from Him. And so if you and I will learn to honor much, we will receive much. But if we're not taught and we don't want to make any changes, we just think everything's hunky-dory, then we're going to end up receiving much less on a much lower level than we could. Praise God. And so Matthew chapter 10, verse number 40. Matthew chapter 10, verse number 40 and verse 41. Jesus said, He that receives you, receives me. And he that receives you, or excuse me, he that receives you, receives me. And he that receives me, receives him that, re that sent me, which is God. He that receives a prophet, in the name of a prophet, shall receive a prophet's reward. He that receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whosoever shall give to drink uh, unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water only in the name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. And so here we see Jesus outlining this principle that we receive, the way we receive a minister the way we receive a disciple or a righteous man is going to determine on what level we receive back from them. Praise God. And so think about um, what you might do if uh, you were about to have a very honored guest, you know, a rare and precious guest over to your home. What might you do different in receiving them? Well, you might clean deeply. You might buy some new furniture or pillows for the couch. Uh, you might paint the front door. You might trim the hedges, pull the weeds. You might uh, uh, not choose to serve that meal on a paper plate and or a plastic cup. You see, there's, there are behaviors and attitudes and actions that people make all the time. And why are they doing that? Because it is a reflection of the honor that they are showing for the moment they are about to have. Now, apply this to God. Apply this to God. Has God become so common to us that we just jump into His presence and go, Hey, I need something. You see, that's not the kind of approach that is going to, you know, if my child says, hey, dad, hey, Chris. Oh, that wouldn't fly, would it? That would not fly. And I'm proud to say my children never treated me like, hey, Chris, yeah, hey, dad, daddy-o, I need 20 bucks. Well, they ain't getting it. They are not getting it. Now, why? their approach was wrong. Their approach is wrong. So there is no higher being. There is no greater one that you could approach than God. And so if you and I want to receive more from Him, then we need to 
receive and approach. And, and when I say receive, I mean in the, in the sense Jesus is talking about here. He that receives a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. Now, if, if a prophet of God comes in, but they don't, that person doesn't recognize that, they don't regard that, but they, do, they, do, they are willing to recognize that person as a righteous man. Well, then they are going to receive a righteous man's reward from that person, but they are cutting themselves off from the higher flow, the higher thing they could have received because they either did not recognize or chose to ignore that anointing, that place, that office God put on that man or woman for you to receive. Hallelujah. And so, you know, the prophet was the only ministry gift they had at the time Jesus uttered this. But it would apply to all the other ministry offices, I believe. And so, praise God, you know, your approach to all things God. Jesus said, he who receives you is actually receiving me. So, Jesus is here behind the scenes, but he's not visible. But he's actually commissioned uh, a disciple, a righteous man, a ministry office to go out in his name, to accomplish a mission, to minister to his people. And they are very much Jesus' representative. And if that representative is dishonored and disrespected, not recognized, not handled properly, not approached right, Jesus will not permit the anointings and the graces and the, the giftings and the abilities that he put in that minister to flow out to that person because Jesus took that lack of reception uh, personally. So he said, he who does not receive you is not receiving me. And go see, this thing goes all the way up to the very top. So it's just very important as brothers and sisters in Christ how we interact with one another. It's just vitally important that, that I, I treat my fellow brother in the Lord with the due honor and respect because of his God-ordained place in the family. Praise God. I tell you, there's just so much to know about this. So uh, before I move on, I don't want to leave uh, a loose end out there. I, I, I made a bold statement. Remember I said God doesn't receive every offering. Well, we just read in Malachi that, how that's the case. He didn't receive their polluted offering. But then I said, you know, God doesn't even hear every prayer. Well, what's a scripture for that? Well, 1 John chapter 5, around verse 16, the Apostle John said, If we pray, what's that first word? If, biggest word in the Bible. If we pray anything according to His will, He heareth us. What if we don't pray something that's according to His will? According to that verse, He's not inclined to even hear it. It doesn't even register on our Father's divine ears. If we pray anything according to His will, He heareth us. And if we know He hears us, we know we have. Notice, if we, it's all about getting God to hear our prayer in the first place. And if we know that He hears it, God... Thank you, Father. We know we have our petition. So, praise God. I don't want to take you down that trail. But His Word is His will. Amen. So we pray anything in line with His Word. We know God hears us. But there's a lot of prayers 
being offered up out there, God's not even hearing them. Amen. (laughs) Well, then I made an even bolder statement, maybe, that God does not accept all worship. Well, over in Hebrews Hebrews chapter 12, or uh, the second to the last chapter in that, uh, he says that we may serve God, how? Acceptably. That word serve is the same Greek word translated uh, worship. Worship. Many other places in the New Testament. So there is an acceptable worship, that we may worship God acceptably with how it describes acceptable worship, reverence and godly fear, reverence and godly fear. So God does not accept all worship. So if we treat worship like a secular rock concert, you think God's going to accept that? We bring our worship all the way down to God's level? (laughs) Now, I know people think differently about this. This is just why I can't come in ripped jeans and a jean jacket with my hat turned around around back with a bandana and jump up and down like a rock concert, you know. And uh, now I'm all about getting excited and I'm all about celebrating Jesus. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying not all worship is accepted by God. Just because you like it doesn't mean He's accepting it. Okay, praise God. So we want to grow. We want to grow in this, uh, this subject of honor. I do. I'm, I'm interested in it. Uh, and so let's, let's talk for just a moment about the definition of honor. What is honor? Well, uh, if you study the word honor, you'll find out, number one, it's a verb. It's a verb. And so honor is not this quiet, invisible uh, attribute of your heart. Honor is something that shows up in our words and in our actions. It is an inward characteristic. It is an attitude of the heart. But if it is not showing up in our actions, then we could not call it honor. Now I have just so come to just so appreciate and enjoy Webster's 1828 uh, Dictionary, Noah Webster's Dictionary. And here he's, uh, he, gives, he gives an extensive, let me say it that way, definition of this word honor. And of course, he took many biblical references to come up with his definitions. And so let me run down a few of these uh, definitions. Here is how Noah Webster, a wonderful born-again Christian, defined the word honor. Number one, or A, to honor means to the esteem that is due or owed Uh, It is the esteem due or paid according to worth. Amen. A high estimation. So here's the way I would say that. What is honor? Honor is the process of assessing and assigning a proper value to a person or thing and then treating that person or thing according to the value that you've assigned. So how could I illustrate that? Go back to my example of the rare and precious guest that you were having for dinner. Why didn't you, you assign a cleaner house and nicer flower beds and new pillows and fine china instead of, ah, they don't care, you know, we're not doing anything extra, you know, Okay, Sarah, they'll just come and enjoy it, praise God. I'm not out to impress anybody. And let, yeah, paper plate's good enough for them. Do you see, this is, this is uh, same person coming, all right, same person coming, 
But the person that really did it up, they are assigning a higher value to that time with that person, that occasion. And because they've assigned a higher regard and honor and value to it, it's defining how they approach it, how their actions, how they're treating that. Praise God. You know, if the first thing to fall off your calendar is church stuff and you keep everything else, listen, I know this is kind of stings, right? But that's you assigning value to church. It, it, low value, high value, people assign it differently. Glory to God. You know, I, I've just assigned such a high, high, high value to the local church. I hope that that shows up in what you see about my approach to it. Praise God. All right, so Webster goes on. He says, honor is any expression of respect and high estimation in word or action. He says, honor is dignity. It is an exalted rank or place or distinction. You know, so if, if I'm conducting my marriage right, there ought to be a marked, distinct difference that is visible in my daily interaction between all other females out there and my wife. Because she has a dignified, distinct, special high place in my life above all other women. Amen. And when I act in accordance with that, that is me showing proper honor. Praise God. Amen. I appreciate all of the ministries out there. I appreciate all the wonderful ministry gifts in the body of Christ. But I'm not assigned to all of them. I'm not assigned to all of them. You know, you, you come and criticize and you want to chew up Dr. Jacobs to me. I'm probably done with you unless you repent. Pastor Nancy, same way. Because they have a special, distinct, God-assigned, God-ordained place in my life. And I'm going to protect it. I'm going to protect it. You should learn to protect those kind of relationships in your life. Okay, Noah Webster's next uh, definition. He says, honor means to reverence. It means to venerate. Uh, or any act by which reverence or submission is expressed. So now Noah Webster brings up uh, the connection between submission and honor. You know, when I get around my spiritual parents, I, I consciously, I consciously uh, take a lower place when I'm around them. I take the place of the student and I give them their place as the mentor and the teacher in that dynamic. They don't have to wrestle it away from me. They don't have to take it. I give it to them. I give it to them. And where I might even have some differences with certain caveats, I don't feel required or obligated or pressed to even bring that up before them. I just keep quiet about it. If I see, and the longer you're around someone that God's put in your life, the more of their humanity, come on, you're going to be exposed to. 
I don't let the human nature and flaws of my spiritual parents affect me. I refuse to. I refuse to. Part of what I've learned about honor, I hope this helps you, is the Bible says in the New Testament that we are to know one another after the Spirit, not after the natural. And that's, that's what's tough. It can be tough in a setting like ours where, you know, I've been your pastor. Some of you have been with me the entire time. So coming this November will be 19 full years. Some of you have had enough exposure to the, to the person of Chris Cody that you've seen weaknesses, flaws, and faults. And praise God, don't let, honor will, would not let you. See, when honor's in place, it will protect you from becoming familiar. Now, earlier I mentioned the Judas cycle. Now, Judas Iscariot, we know he's famous for betraying the Lord Jesus into the hands of the Pharisees. But Judas was not always like that, was he? Was he? There was a day, come three and one half years earlier, where he met the Lord Jesus. And he liked what he saw. He liked what he saw. There was something just like when Peter and Andrew met the Lord. Just like when James and John, fishing that day, heard the call of Jesus, come and follow me. There was something that captured, something magnanimous, something they couldn't put their finger on that led those disciples, all, 11, all 12 of them, including Judas, to leave all of their life behind, their business, their daily routines, to, I would say, they honored Jesus. They, they recognized something in Jesus. And so for Judas, just like them in the beginning, there was this high regard, wasn't there? And Judas was numbered among the twelve. He was given a place as a founding apostle. Jesus conferred a high honor on Judas. Jesus loved Judas. And it, for some of that three and a half years, Judas loved Jesus. Jesus trusted Judas as his treasurer. But somewhere along the way, Judas began to have a change of attitude towards Jesus. He began to entertain lesser thoughts about the Lord. He began to be internally antagonistic and in disagreement with directions and decisions that Jesus made. And then when you get right there, there was a straw that broke the camel's back for Judas. And when was it? It was in a moment, a holy moment, in which a woman named Mary came in with an alabaster box of precious ointment and perfume. And she came in to where Jesus was having this meal with Pharisees and His disciples and she broke the seal on this flask and she poured it out upon the Lord. And it was very expensive. 
Uh, I read several commentaries last night, and uh, the vast majority would say that it was about a year's worth of wages, this, this box of perfume. And so this was precious to Mary financially. She didn't break the seal and pour three drops of it on the feet of Jesus. She poured out the whole thing. And she humbled herself and she washed the feet of Jesus with her own hair. Now I want you to see something. So here is the master. And he received it. He was being honored, wasn't he? He was being worshipped. He was being... Someone had come in and had assigned a high value to the master and was treating him accordingly. But inside, now Judas had been covert. He, he had not revealed his change of heart. Even the disciples at the Last Supper, they had no suspicion that Judas was a traitor. So see, you can have honor, dishonor, excuse me, in your heart and be very skilled in masking that from people who are honorable. But in that upper room, Jesus knew. He knew. And when Judas saw Jesus being honored this way, it says that he became indignant and he spoke up. He said, what is this waste that has been done? Should not this uh, perfume been sold and put in the bag uh, for the poor? And the Bible says in John, John's account says, Judas didn't say this because he cared about the poor. He was a thief and he wanted the money in his bag. So what do I mean by the Judas cycle? If we're not careful, we can go from being in a once, uh, once in a place of such regard for God such a love for God, such, having such a high honor for God, for His ministers, for the things of God, where slowly we, we fall out of honor over into dishonor. Now notice, He didn't just get into dishonor. He got over into disdain, indignation, disrespect. And ultimately, He acted on that and betrayed the Messiah to His death. Let me just ask you, is honor a serious issue? I would say it is. And so we do not want to get caught up in the Judas cycle. Praise God. And the longer you're in a church, and the closer you are to the pastor and the leader of that church, the more you're going to be exposed to the not God part of them. And you have to choose to decide, I'm unoffendable. Uh, think about this, you know, uh, I, I've, I've, I've seen this cycle of people go from honor to dishonor and take them right out of the church. I've seen it over and over and over again. Now, what's interesting is it's in the beginning where they had such high honor for me. You know, what's funny and ironic about that is God know, he knew about all of my flaws and failures and weaknesses when he called me. Yeah. And... I had those flaws in the beginning when that person had such high honor for me, they just couldn't see them yet. And yet, God was using me to bless their life. Many people's lives, not me, I just have 
I wonder sometimes at the awe and the just the ability of how that pastoral gift will, God will use it to turn people's lives around, families and healings and, I mean, just rescues. It's not me, it's that office. But over time, over time, I'm actually, I think, growing and I have less flaws now today than I did 20 years ago. At least they're better mitigated. Yet because they're more visible, because that person's been closer to me for a longer period of time, see, it's not me. They've lost the honor. And when you lose the honor, you lose the ability to receive on the level you had before. That's what's sad. That's what's sad. And so how is it that people can be in a service and one person, oh my God, it was so rich. That just changed my life, just so transformed my life. It was just so full of revelation. I got healed in today's service. And someone over here is just going, well, he's got to go back to church again. I don't get anything. Pastor Chris just doesn't feed me anymore. How's that happen? It's one minister. It's one ministry gift. But it's being received to different ways by two different people and notice what's received is in accordance with the approach and with the honor are you getting this out there today praise God <laughs> hallelujah okay so uh, Noah Webster we're just going through these definitions here give me a few more minutes uh, praise God he says honor is a distinguishing trait in the character of good men so according to Noah Webster, you wouldn't call a man a good man if honor is absent in their life. Hallelujah. Uh, the next definition means to reverend. So you think about the level of disrespect that ministers endure today. Part of it is the minister's fault themselves. Because they said, no, I'm dropping the title reverend. I'm dropping the title pastor. I just want you to know me as Jack. You know, I'm just Jack from now on. And then they wonder why people have lost the honor for the office they walk in. Where did the title REV come from? Why would we call Reverend Brett Berger, Reverend Kenneth E. Hagen? Where's that? What's the root of that word? Reverence. Reverence. See, so the history of that word, we just lost it. I'm trying to help us regain it. Is when we say reverend, it's supposed to remind the minister and the person approaching the minister, respect belongs to this person because of God's assigned office in their life. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. So he says it means to reverend, it means to respect. So every time we let out words or actions of disrespect towards anyone or any person that should be honored, like your mate, like your boss, like your brother and sister in Christ, like your pastor, like your spiritual parents, like God, like His Word, then we have dishonored, we've disrespected, we just need to repent. Amen. Get back right. I really like this. Uh, Noah Webster says, To honor means to show deference. To show deference. 
or to defer to. Praise God, to defer to. So it's a way I, I can show honor towards my wife by deferring to her where I can. She can, when something's really important to me, she can honor me by deferring to me in those moments. But we, what honor does, and this is just something we've got to practice and train ourselves in. You know, come to your different settings conscious and aware. When Dr. Jacobs is in the room, when I'm around Pastor Nancy, I'm not walking around large and in charge. I'm not. I am going to defer. I'm going to defer to the highest authority in the room. Now, the military's got this figured out, right? Praise God. The privates may banter and arm wrestle and, and you know, they're just brothers. But when the sergeant or the lieutenant or the colonel comes up, they're going to act different if they're smart. Amen. So to honor means to show deference and it means to show submission. A lot of people are never really going to get to, um, to show honor until they disagree with someone. Until they disagree with someone. That's when you can really tell when, when honor's really present. Is when a decision is made uh, or a direction is taken. You don't like it. Maybe you don't see it. You don't, you don't understand it maybe the way that one in authority does. Here's another thing I've learned is the one in authority, they know things about that situation I don't know. And they're not obligated and probably won't tell me all about it. And so there's got to be a level of trust, amen, uh, in leadership. And so, uh, praise God, honor will submit. And you never submit if you agree. If you agree with a decision, that means you agree. You would have done it yourself. But to submit is to say, I don't agree, but I'm going to come in line. I don't agree, but I'm going to come in line. Hallelujah. Can you give me an amen out there? Praise God. Let me know you're out there. Hallelujah. All right. And so, praise God. I could, uh, well, let me give you one more. There's, there's a lot more here. Praise God. I'll give you another one. It means to treat with due civility and respect in the ordinary intercourse of life. So, you know, all of the years around Dr. Dufresne, I never let him become my pal. I never walked in and high-fived him. You know, I was never loose or casual in my approach to him because I had too much honor and regard and respect for his God-ordained place in my life. If he corrected me, and he did, I never bucked up to defend myself. You know, it's just funny to see sheep bow up against a shepherd. And I'm not just talking about experiences I've had. I'm talking about witnessing it in my fellowship with other pastors and the stories they tell me. And I just tell you, friends, that never works out well for the sheep. You bow up against your boss all you want, you're probably going to get fired. Well, I'm right. You know, being right is not all that it's cracked up to be in every situation. You know, they, uh, there were some people in Moses' life that bucked up against a decision he made. And according to the letter of the law, they were right. But God called them out and judged them. 
And uh, was it his sister Miriam spent seven days outside the camp with leprosy to learn a lesson that being right isn't all that when you're dealing with your authority figures. So, praise God, to honor means to treat with due civility. Hallelujah. And so I'm just telling you, you know, if you'll learn that the approach that we have to God matters. Amen. Uh, that's why we shouldn't take the Lord's name in vain. That's disrespectful. That's dishonorable. Amen. When you approach your pastor, do you approach it? Do you offer and, and give the proper civility? And, you know, the culture we live in today has given us a brave new world that we we'll all have to navigate and learn together. I'm not mad at anybody. I'm just trying to help us all grow in this wonderful area. So, for instance... Um, if I were to text Dr. Jacobs, praise God, um, and I have, and I do, and he's just so wonderfully receptive, and he's not a person of big ego, and I'm not either. I hope not. But I try to put, I consciously do this, um, I want to communicate in my text everything I would if I were in front of him personally in my words, and in whatever tone I want to communicate. I still use words like doctor. I still use words like sir. I still, I don't, I don't throw him at him silly emojis. Now I'm not trying to, I, I don't, hear me right, I'm not trying to advocate for stiff formality all the time. Because many of us in the church, we have attained a level of relationship and fellowship where a measure of some of that in the right setting is fine, is fine. I don't want people to come and just feel like they got to be a two before stiff with hand salutes and formality. Please, no, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm just saying it's so important for you and for me as I relate to my spiritual parents is that we protect the honor and we just protect it but that, that in every interaction, we just are thinking, we're conscious, and we give the due civility and due respect that is due. Because it protects us. I don't want to be Judas. I don't want to be those people in uh, Mark chapter 6 where God could do no mighty work among them because they brought Jesus all the way down to the little boy they saw playing in the neighborhood at Nazareth. They brought him all the way down to their level. And that's why the Bible says they were offended. See, people, when honor's not in place, they'll, they'll get offended. They'll get offended. You don't get offended with anyone that you have honor towards. So if you're offended, then honor's out of place. Honor's out of place. Notice Judas, Judas went through this entire cycle of having a high regard for Jesus, so much to leave everything behind, just like the eleven did, to follow the Lord. All the way down to where he betrayed Jesus to death. So, you know, it's just a slow erosion of the honor and the regard. But I really do believe that people that have lost proper honor and regard they can recover themselves. Yeah, they can recover themselves if they'll think about these kind of things. When honor is functioning in a person's heart, it influences that person's mind, thoughts,
thoughts, motives, actions, attitude. Praise God. So when I'm walking around and I want to judge my honor, then I can look to the quality of my mind, my thoughts, my motives, and my, act- my actions and my attitude. Honor, I, won't, I don't allow myself to think certain thoughts about you. I don't allow myself to think certain thoughts about my spouse. I don't allow myself to go down certain trails in my mind towards my spiritual parents. I just won't. I can't. <laughs> the honor I have developed in my life won't let me. And it's a safety. It's a, it's a keeping place in me. I've developed enough in the honor of God, reading from my notes, to know pretty quickly where, whether honor is present in a person as I interact with them. Honor is enriching to every relationship and dishonor is damaging and destructive to every relationship. Praise God. And so here's one thing that, you know, to be warned about. The more you develop yourself, and, and shouldn't we? Isn't it, wouldn't it be important, Rex, that we develop in the love of God? Shouldn't we, isn't it be an admirable thing uh, for us to develop in the joy of the Lord, in the peace of God, in our faith life? Well, what about this honor thing? We can grow in it. We should be growing in it. And as you do, be warned. Praise God. You're going to be quickly, the more honorable of a person you become, the more irritable and sensitive to dishonor you're going to be. Because you'll recognize it. And the thing is, it's a very dishonorable world and culture out there. And I just truly believe that part of our being the light to the world that we need to be is that we need to let our honor stand out in the midst of a dishonorable culture. We need to be an honorable church and congregation in the midst of many congregations who don't quite have that kind of light that maybe we do. Amen? Praise God. Just understand as I close today that what you and I fail to honor we will eventually lose. What we fail to honor, we will eventually lose. People have lost their churches because of dishonor. People have lost their pastors because of dishonor. People have lost their spouses and their marriages because of a lack of honor. People have lost their jobs because of a lack of honor. What we fail to continue to honor, we stand and will eventually surely lose. And so one of the things that you could do to stay honorable is to stay grateful. Is to stay grateful. Uh, I, I stay constantly grateful for how God has used my pastors of the past. Constantly grateful uh, for how God has used my spiritual parents to impart to me to be a rescue to me, to be a source of counsel and wise, uh, you know, counsel and comfort to me in times of stress and difficulty. They've never failed me. They've been loyal to me. They've always taken my phone call. They've prayed for me. They've given me offerings. They've come to minister to my congregation. Praise God. And I'm going to stay grateful. You know, people forget. They lose their pastor because they forget 
how God used that pastor to rescue their life and bless their life and bless their family. And they just want to throw all that off because of one thing they don't agree with, one statement they don't like or whatever. Praise God. So stay grateful. Stay grateful. Another thing is know people after the Spirit before you know them after the natural. I'm not expecting perfection in you, and I'm really asking and hoping that you're not looking for perfection in me. Amen. Or you might as well stay at a real arm's length, praise God, because there's plenty of imperfection to be seen if you're looking for it. When I get around Dr. Jacobs, I'm not looking for imperfection. I'm not looking for dirt, and I'm not a mental note taker of every flaw. The Bible says that love believes the best of every person, that love takes no account of a suffered wrong. Come on, it just lets water go off. It doesn't keep score. Amen. I love the man, Dr. Jacobs. I love the, the lady in a right way, Pastor Nancy Dufresne. But I have regard for the office they carry, the anointing they carry, and the God-ordained place. I can't afford, if I actually use that word, to lose them in my life. And I'm not going to let any mistakes that they might make as a human being, praise God, take me out of a God-ordained place of impartation and mentorship in my life. Praise God. Amen. And then uh, lastly is maintain an honorable approach in your human interactions with people. That's why we encourage people. It's not a law at World Harvest, but we just encourage people to say, Sister Joy, Pastor Amber, Pastor Chris, Dr. Co at least give me a brother Cody or something. Amen. But you know, even in the last three months, I've been called, let me just, you want to know? I've been called homie. Yeah. Uh, dude. Uh, hey, man. Uh, I've been called all kinds of things. It's not about me, but I know that person is either just totally ignorant of these things. They just don't have the light on it. Or there's a high level of disrespect there. And it's no wonder that they don't receive on a higher level than they would receive. Amen. Maintain your uh, honor in your speech, in your words, in your thoughts, in your attitudes. Grow in this wonderful subject. Uh, because I like, like I say in my book, The Prophet Honor Connection, you can go far in God and in life if you get honor right. But you will not go far with God and in life if you get honor wrong. Amen? Amen. Well, I hope you got something out of that today. I didn't intend for that to feel as heavy as it might have sounded, praise God. But it's, it's an important subject. It's a much uh, misunderstood and neglected subject. And I just know that as we come up individually and as a church in our level of honor, we're going to see what Brother Hagin prophesied. We're going to, receive, we're going to see a restoration of the miraculous power of God, yes, even a multiplication of the miracles and manifestations, demonstrations of God as we see reverence and honor restored to the church. Amen. Amen. Father, in the name.